Hello and welcome to the Xenothesis podcast. In this episode, episode 51, we're covering chapters 5 and 6 from part 4, Home, of book 2, Adulthood Rights, of the Xenogenesis trilogy by Octavia E. Butler. My name is Richard Acton, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. Michael Glinka. Hi, everyone. So almost there, almost there, Richard. Two more chapters yeah. and we're done with the book. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, we're close to the end. Uh, yeah, this one kind of snuck up on me. I'd, I'd forgotten that we were this close. I know. Like it's it. To be fair, like it felt. It, this story feels more of um, like as if it was another part coming through uh, after this, like continuation, because it mm. feels to me that there, you know, there's so many things still to do, and yet um, we're finishing this book. Yes, so. uh, kind of a common pattern in in. Uh, literature, right? It's often the the first book of, say, a trilogy is relatively self-contained, and yes. then you have a follow-up story which is more open-ended because you know it was successful, so there's enough, you know, <laughs> enough momentum behind it yeah. to get a third one. <laughs> absolutely, no, absolutely. Um, mm. Well, to be fair, like we're saying that, yeah, I can, I already can think of several um, different series that actually do this, you know, like. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely. This is. I, I'm really looking forward to what's going to happen afterwards because, um, well, we're not finished with this book yet. But uh, you know, still, it's fascinating mm-hmm. what's going to happen next. Um, I, I suppose we don't know how much of this particular story will get resolved here, right? Yeah, be, well, that's uh... the thing, right? Like, we still don't know what's mm-hmm. going to happen, and I don't know if you know, like, I don't know. Uh, when we get the, to the predictions, you know. Well, but the thing is, I'm a bit bummed about one thing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, from the very first book, uh, I kept talking about, like, the civil war between, you know, raiders versus, you know, um, the uh, people who decided to live with Onkali. And I don't think this is going to happen now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's um, looking a bit less likely, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah at this mm-hmm. point, I feel like it'd be more like, oh, whatever remaining humanity is going to stay on Earth and the rest is just going to Mars, but who knows? Hmm. I mean, there's kind of you know, low-level internal conflict among the humans over the whole you know, resistor versus joining the Onkali thing and when yeah, they go to Mars, th- so that's... But, yeah, I think there's like more conflict scale. between the people who um, actually... The, about the, between the resistors themselves. So, hmm. But let's, hmm. I guess, get to it. Because I mean, it shows mm-hmm. in the, this part of the these chapters. So, yeah. Um, so your chapter five prediction. Yeah. So I thought um, that Akin would wake up straight away. You know, like there'd been enough time passed that he wakes up from the metamorphosis. He can move and looks like checks his body and basically he's shocked about how much he changed. You know, like the fact that you mm-hmm. know, uh, as you asked me last time, do I think it will impede his work? Probably yes. Uh, considering the fact that he's been changing quite a lot um, but you know it's no time to waste you know complaining about how you look it's time to get people ready to mass that, that was my prediction mm-hmm. but unfortunately okay. no it's a bit yep. slow it's this chapter is actually you know Akin still undergoing his um, changes yeah he's not quite finished he's still a little bit out of action while the the news of the possibility of Mars is already busy spreading conflict among the uh, resistors. Absolutely, absolutely. Hmm. So let's get to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. So 
the chapter starts with the metamorphosis continued, um, keeping Akin, Akin paralyzed, um, his body changing and morphing while he was fully aware of his environment. Um, his mission to get people to Mars often, uh, as Richard mentioned, you know, argued back and forth between people. He could hear people arguing in the envi you know, environment and outside without any resolution ever coming to, you know, uh, taking place. And then uh, one day a raid, uh, you know, taking place in the in the village of Phoenix. One man from the village kill killed, one woman kidnapped. Initially, Akin wasn't sure about what was happening. Um, Pilar Lil was with him at the time, and she stayed with him until the shooting was over. Um, once it was finished, though, she went out to check if her husband is uh, okay, but was back very quickly, you know, after, you know, check if it's, it's all fine. Um, as she did, uh, as she was coming back, you know, entering the room, Akin, in his effort to speak, startled her, uh, making her scream. He wasn't sure, though, what he did, because he didn't have a full control over his body, but he did definitely something to get her reaction. Um, I guess he's probably, probably like, shivered or something, tentacles moving, and he's just like, you know, this massive slug is yeah. uh, moving, what the hell? Mm, uh, yeah, probably looks like he's having a seizure or something. Yeah, possibly. Eventually, he managed to get a... A horse croak, as he, as the book says, out of himself, and so Pillar came closer to him and asked if he's awake. He managed to respond, but his state was weakened. Um, he could hear himself, but his body felt alien and distant, like he couldn't move it. Like you know, I sort of imagine it being like I don't know, as if like in a dream, like you don't have a full control over your body. You know, like you try to run, but you know your body doesn't. You know, like you feel like you're running through I don't know, like a slug, basically type of thing. Yeah, I got this kind of weird fuzziness. Or, yeah, um, association. Know, like if, uh, somebody changed all the keybinds in a game or something. So, <laughs> like you're gonna relearn the. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, input lag. I would say more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> so the conversation continued with Pillar asking him if he's in any pain or if he needs anything. You know. Um, Akin was just, you know, told her that he's just weak, but more importantly, he asked about the shooting. Unfortunately, um, Rudra was killed, uh, was kidnapped, sorry, and her husband killed. Mm. Akin was mortified by with the fact that humans were killing each other and it was not even over Mars. Could even Mars distract them long enough for them to breed their way out of their contradiction? That was his thought and quoted from the book. Mm. Akin tried to speak to Pillar, but realized she's gone. Instead, Yori was there. He didn't realize that he actually fell asleep and some time passed since talking to Pillar. Um, he must have really been weakened considering the fact that he just, you know, passed out and didn't even realize that you know, what happened. Yeah. Um, he called out to her, startling her. She wasn't sure if he was awake, but Nakin couldn't move in, uh, even though he was trying. He asked if Rudra is back, but the men were still out uh, trying to get her back. The conversation then shifted towards the topic of the raids. Um, Akin asked if there are, any, there are many raids these days, and Roy, Yori told him that, like, just way too many. People had hope mm. when he was still a kid, but now even Phoenix started raiding other places. Humanity extinguishing itself in boredom, hopelessness, and bitterness. I've surprised I've la uh, we've lasted this long. Man, that's fucking dark, isn't it, that Phoenix started raiding other places as well? Yeah. And so everything's really been falling apart. Yeah, considering yeah. the fact that, with, like, with no... yeah, initially we know when mm. Akin was young, like, you no, know, the whole idea was like, you know, they they stay away from it. Like, they were supposed to be the one of the better towns out there. And now, mm. 
they're like following basically everybody else. I guess at some yeah, point I mean, somebody they kind of go on, go on. They got about as far as they could get with their kind of you know, technological sophistication at their scale, yep. and then just sort of you know realized they'd sort of stalled out and yeah, the stagnation weren't going yeah. anywhere. Yeah. yeah. No, that's the thing. Like the stagnation is probably what really brought the the, the biggest problem, and I feel like um. At some point, I sort of can imagine it, like, after an nth raid, um, the people in Phoenix just got pissed off enough and they just, you know, grabbed whatever weapon they ha- weapons they had and basically mm. went ahead and, you know, raided the other place in revenge and then realized that actually, mm. you, know, you know, that little spike of adrenaline is what they needed in their lives and then, you know, it started fun and then now it's just, like, basically, like, this endless cycle yep. of self-destruction. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, continuing on, Akin asks Yori if she will go to Mars. He tells her that he will go there so that humanity will play, you know, have place for of its own. He will work hard to ensure that the place does not kill them, but that the humanity will have to work together. Otherwise, they will all die. Like you know, they, they, there's no choice. They have to work together, cooperate. Otherwise, you know, the, the whole the place will, you know, annihilate them. Um, mm-hmm. When asked about children, Akin won't be uh, says you know said to her that I, he won't be able to do it. But then Uloi will allow them to have children without any you know middleman or interference you know from the Onkali. Um, it will take years, but some of the humans will have to go with him early to observe and learn how it is done. You know the whole bioterraforming bioter- and how the new world mm-hmm. works, so that they can teach other people. Yeah, it seems like the uh, initial. Um, Mars colony is going to be uh, pretty you know, frontier living. It's a Oregon harsh. Trail basically type of thing, you know. Decentry. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yep. <laughs> but yeah, that absolutely. I, I sort of thinking about the colony, like you know, when uh, was it Musk was saying like, oh, establishing colonies on Mars, and you know, like picking volunteers, and like the volunteers were like, I, with all due respect, we're not the type of people I would pick as volunteers there because they looked more like cannon fodder and um and i just thought to myself like whoever goes first they need to be you know at a certain level of like how to describe it um uh, preparation they need to be prepared and have certain abilities to be actually surviving that place because i mean obviously the first colony would probably be a failure and it was hmm. pretty pretty dark well, it was you know with the end if you know if there's no support for those people but like Generally, I feel like the first one or two tries would be really... Um... Yeah, so it's going to be tricky, right? It's a whole other class of uh, hostile yeah. than being a frontiers person in any of the other historical eras, right? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, because the, like, there's nothing there. Like, you know, generally, there's, exactly. there's, there's literally nothing. even no water almost. Like, you know, it's... Mm if you go there it's literally desert like how do you survive a desert without any of the basic you know requirements and uh, you know like to fully uh you know you'd have to like have a full water recycling like you have to have systems that fully recycle things like mm. water and that wouldn't be 100 yeah. percent. you know like you know even pee would have to be recycled type of stuff and then that's not 100 yeah, percent. and it's not even like, like it's not even just a desert, right? It's a desert where you can't breathe the air. Yes. And you also need radiation hardening to protect you from 
a whole other class of threat that we have. Like, uh, accelerated yeah. cancer cases. <clears throat> yep. That's, uh, yeah, just, just way different from any of the previous attempts at that. So not only do you need to be like, you know, the kind of um, rugged outdoorsman type with, capable with survival skills, but you also need like the kind of astronaut smarts for actually dealing with all of the complexities of the engineering systems that you need to keep you alive yeah so it's uh yeah but basically what uh, we need is a redneck engineers (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's it's i i I sort of cannot imagine without like the ability to um uh have things like you know as akin mentioned earlier in the books mentioning like modified plants capable of um, surviving the environment like that and then you know creating the atmosphere and you know oxygen on the planet like even mm-hmm. though they say it takes we're gonna take several years that's still very like i find optimistic How, several years what like in what perspective human perspective or kali perspective yeah i, I think even i think it was on the order of like 100 years or so right what's kind of the oan kali several years for, <laughs> yeah yeah so that's that's quite a while well it's gonna be pretty harsh still yeah as you know going back to the going back to the chapter um it will uh, i can say it will take years but some of the humans you know will have to go with him and observe and learn about this which i still think is going to be quite tough on those humans um but he will Mm. also need to help uh with the help with the resistors he looked a lot less human now and than you know than before and he needs humans to help convince other humans about the plan but here is where Yori though disagrees. You know the reason why I was Akin needed people who won't be shot on sight. And here's a excerpt from the book: "Same people only shoot on Kali by accident. Akin needed people who won't be taken prisoner, or, or and everything they said is ignored. That's the way human beings are now. Shoot the men, steal the women. If you have nothing better to to do, go raid your neighbors. Man, that's dark. Mm-hmm. This yep. is, yeah, it's uh, pretty dark." <laughs> The situation was bad with humanity, you know, like the Akin, Akin then asked Yori to become his advisor. She surprised Akin saying that his mother would be, you know, should be his advisor. Like, um, mm. she wasn't sure if, you know, she can leave with the group except from the guys from Phoenix that, you know, uh, that plan to go to Mars. Um, she is technically a trained doctor, but her specialization is psychiatry. And, hmm. you know, she tells that Akin that Don Kali thought her job that more physical disorders than mental ones and then she, you know, that humans actually knew about due to the fact that, you know, humans were incapable of recognizing recognizing most of them as physical disorders. Yeah, I mean, that's um, reasonably plausible for a decent subset of uh, uh, psycho- psychological conditions, I would say. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, everything is physical when it comes to your brain. But you oh know. yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, it depends how you interpret I mean, if, that. If you can, like, if you can address it with with drug treatments, then like you know, a significant like, there's a component of that you can fix physically. Yeah, yeah. Akin felt that he needed someone like Yori to help him with move humanity to a place where they have a chance to survive. But 
then he changed topic to how much he had changed. You no, know, unfortunately for him, he changed more. The metamorphosis. He metamor. He morphed more than he expected. He, uh, you know, he told him like he looked like a spoiled on Kali. He, you know, he can't sense himself properly yet, but he won't uh, change anymore. When Yori asks, um, when asked if he minds, you know, obviously Akino's like, yes, of course. Like, I mean, like, how will resistors trust him? Um, but Yori tells him that it doesn't matter because how many humans trust each other nowadays, you know? And it's it, it's fair point, like, you know... Yep, yep, that's a, another fairly dark point, but a yep, fair point. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's the thing, like, it's surprising because a lot of villages around Lo didn't don't fight much, and, you know, like, that's what Yori, Akin tells Yori, and she tells him that, you know... Might be, be he might have a better chance to you know to take those villages, and giving giving up basically on the rest of the humanity you know for all the resistors that are staying here on Earth. Mm. And at that point, he looked at her and she he knew that you know she would help him, but um, he knew that he also won't give up on the humans. You know he'll try to save everyone. Yeah. She asked him if he needs food. For, uh, but in, not 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 in the next few days. I can tell her like it. He what he needs is people around him. Um, he asked if they picked those you know who who were around him you know because they will migrate. And even though that wasn't the original purpose, basically everyone who came to stay with Akin would go to Mars. Hmm. I wonder if maybe the um, the fact that he looks like a small Owen Carly is a sort of byproduct of the fact that he didn't have um, the chance to uh, you know. So stuck up on food before he went into his metamorphosis. Maybe it would have been a bit bigger if uh, he had the uh, the chance to do that properly. But but because the thing is, um, maybe he was small beforehand. Yes, that's the thing. Like he was small yeah. beforehand, so I don't know if the yeah. Onkali drastically having their metamorphosis changed their height. If there's any like control over that, mm. but I guess yeah. Maybe that I guess it's but, you know both things you know like malnutrition before the metamorphosis and just his own natural height, um, hmm. being the uh, factor yeah. in here. So I don't know um, all that much about what would happen if you had a um, like an insect with insufficient nutrients to enter their metamorphosis state and they ended up somehow forcing themselves into it earlier than expected. I think that might cause effectively like failure of the complete metamorphosis process and you just get you know they cocoon and they don't manage to finish it off um uh, and become an adult or if you just or you know how much of that can be compensated for by just kind of going a bit smaller or yeah or, uh, that's not an area i know anything about that's but, that's that's an interesting yeah. point it feels like to me um mm. that that's probably the the latter is the probably the more reasonable answer in terms of on kali you know survival is more always the most crucial so they would do anything, mm. even if they're like five centimeters in height. They would still. Um, yeah, yeah. I know. think the Oncali could pull that off. Yeah, but, uh, and that you, there's probably a bit of that in in biology, but I imagine there are some limits in. I uh, mean, the thing is, like, bear in mind, like in, hist- in history, for example, after um, mm. the Korean War, right between North and South Korea. The average height of Koreans mm-hmm. was around 165, if I remember, centimeters. Um, something along those lines, but now it's one one meter eighty centimeters, simply because of the uh, protein intake has increased substantially after the war. So I would yep. su- I would suggest that you know that that's obviously one of the reasons why for, for potentially that he is. But the thing is, what I was going actually to say is that like um, in the 
previous one of the chapters in previous parts, didn't they mention that um, in case of like a harsh environment, um, the Onkali would metamorphose into Uloi? Like, instead of becoming male or female, they would become an Uloi because... Well, the, at least the newborn will definitely because of the... Mm. Uh, you know, if the environment is stressful. I think it that may have ended up being kind of like an earlier developmental commitment, right? Uh, perhaps very early on they could make the transition to becoming an Uloi, but not, not after once they're the... already... Are you sure? <clears throat> Excuse me. Are you sure? Maybe. Because like it feels to me, knowing on Kali, they would probably like you know Power Rangers this, you know like transformation. And thank you very much. I'm an Uloi now. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> uh, I suppose it could be one of two things, right? It could be either the environment is not sufficiently hostile um, for Akin to uh-huh. become an Uloi, or uh, there's this earlier developmental checkpoint of some kind. Yeah, I mean to be fair. I mean, most Onkali, all of the Onkali have the same sort of abilities. It's just that Uloi have their, those abilities more enhanced, like, you know, healing, you know, sensing, you know, subatomic particles and type type of thing. Um, so. Yeah, it seems as, I mean, there definitely seems to be something, it's like the whole modifying of reproductive stuff that the Uloi pretty much are the only ones who can do, uh, at least reliably or safely. You might be able to try and maybe get there sometimes as a non-Uloi, but it seems like there's some stuff that's pretty much just them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so yeah. Um, continuing on, you know, about the people who are coming in, like, Akin tells her to send him the others, you know, as long as she thinks that his looks would not scare them, and she says that, you know, they've seen an Onkali before. And in that sentence, he felt some bitterness and something else. Like there's just something behind that meaning, you know, meaning behind the sentence. He asks her what's wrong, and she tells him in anger. She stared at him with unmistakable hostility. I was thinking that so many people have suffered and died. She said, "So many have become unsalvageable. So many more will be lost." She stopped breathing deeply. Why did Don Kali cause this? Why didn't they offer us Mars years ago? They would never offer you Mars. I offer you Mars. Um, she asks him why and Akin tells her that he's part of them and because they should have a chance to fight the contradiction in them the Onkali think that the opposite uh, the opposite, that humanity cannot resolve it or outgrow it and the fact that giving Mars to humans would be like breeding intelligent beings just to have one another kill each other, uh, kill each other or all of them dying on the planet Although Yori protests, you know, that Akin tells her that their biology, their genes is what, uh, you know, are what their true purpose is. And, and, and he hopes that the mutation will appear, a chance for survival. Because he knows, he agrees with Nankali, but he believes in the chance. And Akin wants to do it and some will help them. Donkali won't help except to teach. They won't set a foot on Mars once they, we've begun. They won't transport you. And this this sentence mm. I am confused about because Donkali say obviously Akin agrees with Donkali that you know the the the, the contradiction cannot so, be changed and obviously but then they say they won't transport you. How the hell are they gonna get to Mars? Before we delve into uh-huh. the transport question, yeah. I just want to touch on the um like the the Oankali decision. Yeah. Um, and it, it does seem like they could still have potentially avoided this whole situation with the humans, right? It seems as though they decided that the humans would 
be permitted to kind of live out the rest of their lives on Earth. And they didn't entertain the possibility at all of like a human Akjai. And they yeah. assumed that this was the best option. But then they also did this thing where they created Akin as like a human Uloi construct and then consulted him about the future of the humans. Yeah. Right. It seems as though they could probably have just, you know, like kept the rest of humanity in the stasis pods and still made themselves a, a you know, a human Uloi, uh, I mean, a human um, Oankali construct male of suitable capacities absolutely to consult <laughs> but the thing is isn't like from the book one we it's it's i think if it's Taya said that um but it's the whole humanity is the culture that's so irresistible to them which is quite ironic the fact that mm. no like that they there's so many humans different types of humans all around you know scattered around the planet you know in the resistor villages and yet the culture mm -hmm. that you know originally was placed like we're not even allowed to rebring and everything was basically demolished by don kali if it wasn't demolished by the nuclear weapons although i think a, like a component of that may also just be like the oan kali understanding of culture is probably quite different from the human understanding of culture. I think because you're right. For the yeah. Oan Kali, you know, they have this genetic memory thing. Like a lot of their culture is just embedded in their biology, yeah. right? They're not fully separable for them. So the notion of like taking a human culture requiring like continuity of human civilization and organization and, and like records and stuff yeah. is a thing that's super alien to them so in their attempt to kind of say oh we we're interested in your culture they uh, they, they don't really know how that cultural information is like represented because it's not biological so there's this whole like they don't seem to have quite grokked that yeah distinction no, no absolutely that's the thing like that when they um to be fair, like if I was on Onkali in Onkali position, mm. I wouldn't allow the people like if if you know if humanity was on on the point of well the thing is they do have copies of everyone anyway, mm. like they preserved the cells and stuff like for of the humans anyway. So for them, remaking those humans doesn't matter. They have the genetic material. But what they're always saying is that like oh we want preserve you know the, like the culture behind them like but. What is left? Yeah, it seems is as just... if they've kind of figured it out, but just not enough. <laughs> yeah, but like the, what they've left it is just basically, uh, like just shell of humanity. Like basically, people just trying mm. to survive, and then now because of like as Yori said, like people are losing hope, they just basically lash at each other. And you know, mm. if you want to preserve them, like you would, you could just you know drop pod on, on them and just put the, everyone in stasis and then be like okay humanity well, we realize that humanity needs their own place obviously earth is going to be stripped of everything that's you know allows them to survive but okay hmm. if you akin if you want to do mars go for it they're all in stasis nothing's gonna happen to them for the next several hundred years just do your job and then we'll uh, awaken them on on mars basically type of thing and then you know 
and then you know once they awaken and back in is like hi guys for the last several hundred years i've been working here here's your new planet you have a call you have i'll teach you everything and then uh but i think that also wouldn't make sense because then the cycle will be again like you know you have to survive and then they will do the same thing raiding killing each other blah blah so that's why you know in the same time akin like the whole idea of humanity working together needs to take place otherwise they will well, they will kill each other, destroy it themselves. So again, <laughs> I guess this time though. Yeah. Um, I guess this time though, probably when they go on Mars, I feel like the Onkali will just take all the uranium <laughs> out of the ground and just not allow humanity to develop any nuclear power at all. <laughs> uh, maybe I don't know, but eh. I, that that would probably be quite a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe they'll just leave them to it but uh, we'll see i suppose i don't know mm. i just feel like but then you know like uh, leaving enough to like sort of uh, of it to for people to like um study you know develop the technology in future um mm. to move on because obviously you know nuclear power is critical for like you know f next you know, stages unless they just skip it but i feel like a lot of nuclear you know, physics that we know came out because of the development of nuclear power um and then like but not enough to you know make to make you know dangerous weapons out of it uh, i mean maybe but i i, I don't know that the on even kind of think of i mean i don't know i don't think they would really view a, a human civilization as like a threat to them because the their whole attitude is just like assimilate the other groups and i mean maybe but i mean given that they're presumably at this point a civilization that spans many planetary systems yeah. maybe they don't even care that much about uh but yeah who knows yeah it's, it's hard to tell yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah it seems almost as though they i mean perhaps they should strategically take it seriously as like humanity as a, as a threat but it seems like that's not a way of thinking that would be intuitive to them yeah i don't know it just so feels it to me like... like they've ever met another like technologically advanced actually intelligent species i feel like for them it's more of like they're gonna die anyway so why why worry about that like you know that's not true yeah yeah so um, mm. But yeah, the other thing we are like uh, that's uh, that sentence you know, mentioned like they want to transport you is like how the hell will the humanity get to Mars then? Like generally, like mm. if they yeah, die, if the Onkali will not help them to move them from shuttle them from Earth to Mars, how the fuck are they gonna get there? Like they can't have technology because Onkali don't allow it. So what are they gonna do? Like must build a massive uh, ladder? Like, and then just walk up and just, like, I mean, like, I don't know, like, will the low village, you know, the shuttle be used to, like, um, you know, all the human, like, all those little villages, you know, um, um, uh, what's the word? The, the, what was the name of those villages? The resistance? No, 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 the other one. The ones that Village? live, uh, they live oh, with the... the um... Uh, do they have a specific? They name? have like a specific yeah. name, like the the not sharing village. Oh, trade trade, trade. villages. Oh, there you uh, go. Trading villages. Yeah, the yeah. trade yeah. villages that are basically shuttles. Basically, they'll combine into like a you know bigger shuttle for all the humans, and then just transport them there with you know like uh, everyone who wants to join, type of thing. Help marking. I, mean, I don't. I know. suppose the only the only like plausible thing is that the 
sort of faction within the Amonkali that are willing to help Akeen would be able to use some assets that they have yeah. to transport them, right? Because yeah, I, yeah. I don't see how else that would work. Yeah, so I, I uh, don't know, like, yeah. otherwise, it's it's weird, like, it felt to me like, oh, they won't transport you, it's like, okay, the hell are you gonna get on Mars then? Like, oh yeah, I can, we allow you to do Mars, no problem, but we will not transport you there, huh? <laughs> yeah, that just seems like a thing. Yeah, you have to get it yourself, just you have to bring everything by yourself. yourself. Cool. <laughs> yeah, the, the, they, uh, they gotta do something to help them get there, or there's, there's nothing you can do, right? Yeah. So. I suppose that maybe there'll be some negotiations associated with the terms for them being transported or something. Yeah. I don't know. But it but just I've, feels... I've forgotten if, if that came up. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It just it, it feels to me a bit, a bit weird. Hmm. But uh, talking about the sort of ship transport thing, there weren't that many like um, super sciencey topics in this thing. And mm-hmm. after we had that discussion about um, how the shuttle might fuel, be fueled and the fact that they were using some kind of nuclear power source, mm-hmm. it kind of nerd sniped me a little bit um, okay i was in the shower the other day thinking about how they might solve this problem and like you know one of the problems you have to solve to have nuclear fuel is some enrichment right? yeah you, you need to do some uranium enrichment so you can get some u-235 um for your reactions and you know when you mine uranium most of it's u-238 mm-hmm. but you know, you've got to do some isotopic separation to to get these things out but like that's not straightforward because chemically they're basically the same yeah and uh, so you can't you know separate them with a chemical reaction so you've got to do it with something that's going to separate their mass um which has to be super sensitive because you'd only difference was like three uh electrons so exactly right it's, it's like a half a percentage point difference in mass because yeah. you're only going from like it's, it's a difference of two nuclear masses out of 230 odd nuclear masses or nucleon masses rather yeah. but the it's uh yeah so it's tricky um which is why the the methods that exist for this is like hard like uranium enrichment is genuinely a hard problem um you know is gas centrifugation i think is the most commonly yes. used method yes um but uh i was thinking of how you might be able to pull this off inside a biological system uh-huh and the thing i came up with is uh so Let's say you have a protein that very specifically binds uranium. Mm-hmm. Right? And there are plenty of precedents for this. There are a lot of enzymes that have specific binding sites that have uh, that are you know, able to particularly pull out a given metal ion, right? There are manganese and magnesium and iron and yeah. many other enzyme structures where you have a ligand or a chem or a um, like a protein structure that can specifically bind a, a particular um, yeah. element. So let's say you have a protein, and uh, let's make it a a long one. Let's have a whole bunch of uranium binding sites on that protein, mm-hmm. or um, it might be something like uh, the approach that is taken by plants with chlorophyll, where you have a a molecule that can a smaller chemical molecule that can bind the metal. Right? It doesn't have to be the protein directly. Yes. Yes. Um, I was thinking so, more. That's more uh, like a cofactor. Yeah, yeah, and that's um, more convenient for higher density, yeah. which would be nice in this case, yeah. right? So we have a, a protein, maybe some cofactors that can very um, densely bind a whole bunch of uranium, right? Mm-hmm. So now we have the problem of how do we actually separate that? So if you've randomly bound a whole bunch of uranium, then you're going to have a mix of U two thirty five and U two thirty eight. It's going to massively favor the U two thirty eight. So 
how do you actually separate them? I was thinking you could do it electrophoretically, right? Because um, they're gonna have the same resistance, but they're gonna have a slightly different mass depending on the proportion of I see what you, uh, okay. U235 to U238, right? So what you do is you, you put your protein in a medium and you apply an electrical field to it, and then um, it's going to have the same mass. That's actually going to have a different mass. It's going to have a, the same resistance to pass through the medium. So it's going to be accelerated at a slightly different rate through the medium, depending on its mass. Yes. Right? Because uh, it's, it's the same electrical field. Yeah, right? the lighter will um, go faster so than you, the heavier ones leaving. Um, exactly. Yeah. Right? But statistically, you will end up with some of those proteins that are bound a disproportionately high fraction of U235 or U238, right? So yeah. if you separate them out, um, then you can get a gradient of those proteins that are mostly bound to U235 that will be super rare, and those that are mostly bound to U238 that will be much more common. Right? And then you can sort of pull off those bands from the the gel medium that you're working on and, and iteratively assign the same process, right? Dissociate the uranium from the low weight fraction and then do that again. So as you repeat the process, you have iteratively higher probability um, of getting a higher fraction of proteins bound to U235. I feel like there's, there's a flaw in this thinking because if you do that, you'll get a whole gradient, as you said. So it's actually statistically mm -hmm. you'll have... Um, lower probability to get two, three, five. I think what you would have to do instead is that do the same process, but instead of doing a multiple molecules on a protein or an organoid, as you mentioned, having small mm -hmm. molecules that can bind, design the like let's say like for example, a hemoglobin can only bind one iron, right? Or EDTA can only bind one mm -hmm. molecule. I mean, the the reason I went with multiple is because, um, like statistically, you will eventually end up with some that have multiple that have a very high fraction of U235 versus yeah, U238, but right? They'll be super rare. The, yeah, but that's the thing. Like, it's super but you rare. you end up with some. And I feel like you would have to have really sensitive system. I feel like the, a single molecule with one, uh, one molecule with one atom of uranium is more feasible at this point because then if you do all the electrophoresis on that you actually get either 238 or 235 separated. So at some point, if enough separation, you'll actually get no gradient but two bands. But the thing is, I don't know if that's ever going to be enough of a mass difference to yield a separable um, band, right? So the, that's the reason I was thinking about the statistical approach was that you could you can get much more than two nucleon masses worth of difference between your proteins if you have a mix, I mean, right? Because if it if it if it's all two thirty eight versus, I feel um, like um, all two thirty five, you get quite a lot of difference. I feel like you're we are overcomplicating this as well because think about this from the perspective of Onkali. Mm. Kali can design anything. They've traveled around different you know planets, right? They've encountered so many mm. different biological systems. It could be the case. They could have actually enriched two three uh, eight, like removing those um. Um, you read like those that proton and two neutrons or whatever the you know is required from those uh, mm -hmm. atoms without actually doing that, like you know, like actually removing this, like with some biological systems. Because I mean, it would take a lot of I mean, you steps. Think they could have acquired. I mean, because it would take a lot of steps, but I mean, like you know, in our biological, in our body, like we take food, any random type of food. 
and we can break it down and then you know get hydrogen uh, uh, you know proton you know um, uh, what's the word for you know uh, you know what I mean like the basically creating of ATP right you, you can get proton gradient and mm-hmm. stuff like that so I feel like you could technically if you tried hard enough develop a very complex system that would do that for you without you know it, it would be long and time consuming but you know Funkali have anything but time so but how is that helping us with the the isotope separation problem, so so uh, that's the thing you wouldn't even have to develop you didn't have to do a separation of the isotopes you would actually create the isotope from the actual abundum two three uranium two three eight you just have multiple uh, um, enzyme reactions basically to I don't know what enzyme reaction I have no idea what be entitled to actually split the nuclear and put you know, one proton one you know and whatever is necessary. I mean yeah, you actually need I mean you, you can do that by direct irradiation right you can take U thirty U two thirty five or a lighter thing and turn it into a higher thing by just putting a neutron beam on it yeah but you can't do it chemically right i mean the, the only occasion when you can chemically separate ice and the fact that traveling on the you know outer space radiation is anything what they get so but you need neutron radiation which is not that abundant as a uh, like a source of cosmic radiation to my knowledge i think it's mostly gamma i don't know I don't, um, I don't possess enough knowledge about this, but I feel like with Don Kali, you, hmm. you know, uh, with with the fact that there would be probably enough time for them to think about the possible solution to this. I mean, you can do isotope separation chemically for lighter isotopes, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you want to do it for hydrogen, for example, reaction kinetics are sufficiently affected by the difference in mass. Yeah. But that's because the difference in mass is yeah. on the order to like a third to the half yes, yes, yes. Of, of the mass of the whole atom, right? So the uh, like the impact of that is much smaller when it's only a half a percentage point or so of the fraction of the mass way up at the other end mm-hmm. of the scale for U-235, right? So it's much harder to have a chemical reaction that will have different kinetics. Um, I mean... To be fair, anyway. it could be, as mm-hmm. you said, gas um, electrophoresis or like gas, you know, um, separation with using gas. I mean, like you know, we saw in Book One the giant fart well, bubble. You, you would need gas. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it I could mean, be the the other. Mm-hmm. It could be the fact that you no, know, within within the you know the whole Onkali, you know, mother planet or mothership, there is an area within the. Um, within that massive, you know, ball of flesh where basically this takes mm-hmm. place, right? Like, you know, one way or another, but like... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. But so you, you could have a system somewhere in there that, that was capable of doing this, this isotopic separation. Just thinking of, like, plausible methods that you might be able to actually use to do that in a biological system yeah. because gas centrifugation seems like a tricky one to implement, whereas the electrophoretic approach seems like it could work more easily in a biologically engineered system. Yeah, I mean, um, like, I, f- I agree with that. I feel like, though, uh, I would go for single molecules because that would be enough separation of those two. Um, hmm. um, yeah, that, that totally depends on the degree to which you can 
attain electrophoretic separation with only two nucleon mass difference. I mean, to be right? fair, because if you if you can't do that, then you can you can do it statistically by just making the difference bigger. I mean, to be fair, Richard, you have a whole planet-sized mothership. You could have one end stars the electrophoresis going throughout the whole, like in one long line of, and just, and eventually but you'll I, have separation. That's the thing, though. Like, I yes, you could, but I wonder if that would work well electrically, right? There's, there's only so long you can conveniently make the gel and still have that work. So you could maybe, I mean, my, my point is just that you could add to that difference by using a statistical method of clustering them together. doesn't have to, that's, that's all I'm, I'm just saying you can get slightly easier separation if you do it iteratively by grouping them and then relying on the fact that you will I mean, um, you know, occasionally get some that will be, Overrepresented in one fraction. I mean, yes, you could do. I mean, doing you know fractions and then redoing it, redoing and redoing it. Mm. Obviously, you know, like that's either mm. what either solutions. You know, like that. That's basically um, probably the way to do it. Um, I mean, as I said, on Kali have everything but time, even. right? Like, so you could do be oh, doing yeah. that yeah. all this time and mm. uh, like the existing enrichment processes are often iterative. I think the acentrification yeah. is also somewhat iterative. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, that's that's my uh, that's what I came up with in the shower the other day uh-huh. for how you might solve this problem. <laughs> no, to be fair, like it's it's a valid I would say valid point. Um although I don't know how realistically a biological system would be able to handle this. Like mm-hmm. so that's the yeah. thing. But, it it but, was merely the most plausible thing I could come yeah. up with. Um but you know, as I by said, by comparison with all of the other extant methods yeah. of uh, isotope separation. Yeah, but as I said, you know, on Kali, they've met so many different things. Who knows what they've encountered in their journey? Hmm. That potentially yeah. we there's something out there that maybe there's a nice, elegant solution to something similar, and there it is. I mean, like we know we have bacteria eating radiation in Chernobyl. Who knows? Maybe there is something much more sophisticated somewhere out there than that and mm-hmm. and like the thing that you I would probably want to do once you've got your um a little bit of enriched u-235 is actually start a, a probably a liquid salt based breeder reactor um because that way you you wouldn't need a lot of um like uh, a lot of enrichment you could you just need a small amount of enriched uranium yeah. 235 to kind of seed um like a, a mostly fueled by u-238 and thorium liquid salt reactor and what you could uh, like that runs at like 700 degrees but it's low pressure mm-hmm. um so you could probably construct a um like the tubing for that out of materials that you could synthesize with a biological system yeah i think so too. Uh, like the scales that they have yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and then you'd have a high temperature low pressure vessel and the means of controlling the isotope composition through this electrophoretic isotope um, separation approach so you could you know maintain your um, reactor fuel mix in the liquid salt loop and then you use that um, in a thermal nuclear rocket engine so effectively all you you just you still need some reaction mass but you could generate like hydrogen gas easy enough to do with biological processes and then you just put that in a tank and have a nozzle you heat it up a bunch and you spray it out the nozzle. Yeah. Right. Been using the thermal energy as the nuclear reactor. Plus a lot of biological systems will take some some heat as an input to to be um, in a 
useful. Yeah. So, like, gives you thermal um, power and the ability to run uh, rocket engines without having to do chemical rocketry. It's just thermal rocketry. Absolutely. And it also yeah. gives you an imagination yeah. that the big mothership has a sphincter or anus. Yes. <laughs> but it just goes, like, no, opens every so often and just releases a fire fart. Puff of hydrogen or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but honestly, like, yeah, I think it's it's probably the most feasible solution out there, like, that we can, like, sort of think of. Uh, there could be yeah. more elegant solution now that somebody smarter can actually tell us more. But like, yeah, that sounds like that probably no way on Kali that that's feasible. Um, yeah. And I, I know I said don't overthink the details. It's we can wave over this and it's plausible. But <laughs> <laughs> this whole problem, like nerd sniped me. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it sounds like. And I had to go figure out a way of doing yeah. it. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. But it's still, for me, the question is, how do the shuttles um, project themselves out? Because they, yes. they sort of like they lie flat. Like, you know, it's usually they're balls in the, in, um, in the space, but now they're like flat sort of months. So how do they project themselves up from the... That's the thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's still, you know, reaction-based. It's not reactionless propulsion, so it's... Uh, like it's it's you know it's using known physics so i bet it's just like it, a ball just bouncing up and for. down just more and higher and higher <laughs> mm-hmm. and so the, the, it, it doesn't solve the problem of the shuttle yeah being like you know floaty it, it, although it, we don't really get a specific description of that yeah but like the way it lands seems like it would be yeah rather than like a rocket absolutely but, yeah. yeah yeah but yeah finishing off the chapter um you know Don Kali will not help. They will teach. They will not set their foot on Mars. They won't transport them. And what Don Kali think Joaquin's plan is is basically murdering all humanity with his own hands. And basically, you know, the chapter, the final chap- uh, end of the chapter is Yori leaving with the, you know, all the hostility between them gone and, you know, with a promise to send someone to him. Some more people. So, <laughs> who knows? Like, it's, uh, it feels to me like, yeah... Um, this chapter sort of felt like yeah, the humanity is on the brink of exti- you know, extinction or killing themselves. They have an option: go to Mars and die, or kill themselves you know, on Earth. Uh, yep, yeah, that's seems to be pretty much it. That's basically what Onkali thinks. So, mm-hmm. well, I mean, the Onkali think that they'll die on Mars, just slower. Yeah. <laughs> Although on the Earth it'll be the same because if once the Earth is stripped of everything, then. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think most of the humans that are alive now wouldn't be alive, but then, al- yeah. if they, yeah, the only their um, Owen Carly hybrid descendants, yeah, will be about. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, let's go to my chapter mm-hmm. six prediction, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I wasn't certain here because I mean we are three chapters in to until we finish, and mm-hmm. I'm like. Okay, so Yori, he asked Yori to send people to, you know, um, to Akin to discuss the whole Mars situation. And I just thought, like, mm. it, it can't be, like, just like that. You know, there has to be something happening. And, you know, the fact that, you no, know, there was a raid, um, it felt to me there has to be some sort of drama coming in, some something body. And I thought, you know what we haven't, we haven't, who we haven't seen in a while? Gabe. And I just thought to myself, oh, Gabe, you're going to do something, no? And um, 
but yeah, th so I thought like there there might be something happening with, between Akin and Gabe. Akin, you know, like talking to Gabe, or so maybe someone and or something happening. Like I don't know, a raid, another raid, someone getting hurt, and Akin mm -hmm. finally being able to move or something. I I wasn't certain what will happen to him next, but yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So you think he's going to involve Gabe, but you didn't necessarily have any specific idea as to what yeah, Gabe would do. do. Yeah. I mean, he did okay. come and apologize to him a few times, and you know, like he talked to him and tried to feed him uh, while Akin while Akin was taking uh, you know, undergoing the metamorphosis. But I thought maybe um, hmm. something deeper will happen, like you know, um, another raid or something, and Gabe. Uh, I don't know, getting hurt or someone getting hurt and type of thing that, you know, Akin you know, close and while well, Akin, I don't know, finally regaining his senses or something and um, um, some drama building up from there. I don't know. Okay. I mean, so we do get, we get a little bit of that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so let's get to it then. So chapter six begins <laughs> with um, Gabe actually apologize to Akin uh, saying, I'm sorry, but that's, that's it. Like not explaining what, what for, what he's sorry for. We know what uh, we all know why, why what he's sorry for, but you know, still. Um, yeah, that's yeah. apologizing for being an idiot yes. and pulling him off of Tate and then touching him when explicitly told not to. Yes. <laughs> Eventually, Akin yeah. wakes up and hears a commotion outside. Um, the the people, the men who went to save Rudra, came back, but you no, know, she was rescued, but unfortunately, caught, uh, found dead. Um, I'm gonna skip on what really happened to her because it's fucking gruesome and um, uh, but yeah. yeah her body was to be laid down beside her husband's um, and as the men were moving someone mentioned Mars but they told him to shut up and then the other and that sort of triggered other person mentioning Akin and I, since Gabe was outside he was like yeah he's fine and then you know the men frighteningly or worryingly the men's kept insisting to see Akin, but Gabe told him that that they will be able to see him once the boy is ready to face them himself. Um, and when mm. the man, like one of the men tried to budge in, Gabe told him that like, if they're suicidal, they can try, but enter, but will not end up well. And um, So I suppose Gabe's kind of making himself useful at this yeah, point. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. I you know. Akin hearing that was trying to move, but then, you know, like, you know, frantically move, but then he saw Tate coming in and like with a gun, of course. And she reassured him that nothing will happen. You know, he, um, uh, I would say, yeah, it's going to be fine. Like, you know, like if there are angry men outside looking for, you know, venting, I would also be very worried if I can't move or do mm. some, anything. But, uh, so what do you think the motivation of these guys who want to see Akin is? I just feel like venting. Basically, they they feel like they they want to vent their um, frustration over what just happened, and overall on a person that basically on on Kali that can't move, can't do anything back to them. Okay. Type of thing. She then asks Akin, when will he be able to move?" And you know, he tells her, "But maybe in three, four days." Uh, and Tate hopes that soon that's soon enough because they're leaving this place and going with Akin. Um, she then touched him. The femaleness was tempting him, and even if she was interested in him, he would have been hopeless, helpless, as he says. You know, like um, after a brief moment, she asked gently, "Let her go." And when asked, like, "What what was what's going on?" Akin explained to her. 
uh, you know, straightforward that made her laugh and say that they need to get him back home to, you know, to his mates. And she asked mm-hmm. if actually he has any mates um, and he didn't say anything chagrined and she apologized. It wasn't her intention to embarrass him. And he's an excerpt from a book. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to embarrass you. It's been a long time since I was an adolescent. Uh, humans called me that before I changed. Young adult then. How can you condescend me and still follow me? <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one, right? The uh, I suppose it um, speaks a little bit to the phenomenon of like child leaders, right? You know, they're kind of... Occasion- I imagine they would be condescended to, but also like... Admired in some sense as being like I don't know, um, young and in power, but then again, pure, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the fact that Akin mm, just straightforward mm. told her what's going on, um, yeah, balls on the man, balls, uh, ballsy move. <laughs> no, well, you know, it's very own Carly, they're pretty upfront, yeah, true, true. <laughs> no. They can't really lie to one another a lot of the time in their mode of communication, so I suppose it's a bit. I mean, to be fair, weird for but, them to be. I mean, to be fair, for Onkali, things like reproduction and stuff like that is not really uh, uh and mating, I would say, yeah, or just casual mating yeah. is not really a taboo type of thing. So hmm. even in our in our society nowadays, it's still sort of like eh, you know, like it happens. You know, a sex talk that happens between best friends, but like usually, you know, like. It's if, if you go to a stranger, that would be a quite a weird looks, and you would be thought immediately you're a mm. creep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, going back, you know, like uh, to the question, how can you condescend, to, uh, be so condescending to me, and still follow me? You know, she, she wasn't sure. Tate wasn't sure. She was still working out her feelings towards the new looking Akin. Something her mother told Akin that something was wrong. And he asked her, like, you know, if she's going to join him on Mars or stay. And he reassured her that she will be first free to stay or go if she wishes. Here's a chapter from the book, uh, chap- um, section from the book, Truce, that Tate said quietly. He wished she were on Kali so that he could show her what he meant, what he was saying. He had not spoken in response to her condensation, and she clearly believed. He had responded instead to the falseness of her manner, but communication with humans was always incomplete. Hmm. Yeah, that uh, challenge of not being able to send a sort of hard-to-fake, honest signal. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. She cursed him and started Mm. pacing. She wasn't certain about her decision. Akin reassured her that there is no hurry, no need to make decision yet. She tells him that who's patronizing whom, she said bitterly, more in misunderstanding. Take me literally, Akin said. Assume that I mean exactly what I say. And even though Akin insisted, Mm. you know, Tate dismissed him, like, she has no choice. She has to go, she tells him. Like Lilith made her decision whether she choose Gabe and Phoenix. Her people disgust, disgust her sometimes, but they're still her people and she will so she'll go with them. Um mm-hmm. I mean Tate, really? Like yeah, I know, I understand that, you know, she made the decision, like, you know, like Lilith, you know, she picked between like, the decision between between Lilith and Gabe, she obviously picked Gabe. Um, but yeah, like if your own people, you know, disgust you, like what the hell are you talking about, girl? Like, uh, I mean, well, I mean, I think it's it's she. I think the she felt that Lilith was being like too much of a of a of a traitor to humanity, yeah. as it were. Right, she was willing to go in too far with the Ankali and accept the 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 changes and kind of the 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 lack of any uh like reject her humanity purely human 
subgroup yeah. yeah yeah so willing to sort of accept the the death of humanity as a as its own separate thing yeah. from being a part of the Owen Carly. Yeah. um so uh, if that was the the kind of a line that that tate drew um but uh, despite her um distaste for some aspects of humanity yeah i mean uh, to be fair it's getting worse and worse i can see yeah yeah it's like it can't have been uh, (laughs) yeah the last few years with with everything that went on with phoenix and all the other raiders and whatnot can't have been um, easy inspiring yeah yeah Yeah. so akin then asks her if she's bothered by the way he's he looks now and she tells him that if anyone she knows changed so completely would upset her but they all watch him change, so it's fine. And Akin say, well, Akin says, because of the change, there will be less immigrants. She says it will be, uh, it will be less, but because of them, because of the humans. But Akin got the message that uh, it was because of Gabe, you know, Gabe's attitude initially, because of his behavior. Um, it definitely is, and past experiences with Gabe and humans is definitely going to affect their how many people are gonna join them. Um, you know, he panicked, thinking thinking that Tate was dead, and so to repay that blunder, I would call it, Gabe and Tate, hmm. Tate will help Akin as much as they can. So that kind of implies that if Akin had entered his metamorphosis under more conducive conditions, he might not have had such a dramatic shift. Yeah, in his appearance. Yeah, maybe, hmm. maybe I don't know, and. The chapter ends with Akin mentioning her Huntington's disease that was activated and she needs someone to fix it and only to fix it. He mentioned that he put a temporary fix, but she won't be able to go to Mars with them unless she allows an Oloy to fix her completely, you know. Even though they argue like though the brain damage is a serious thing, but Akin tells her it's reversible for Don Kali, you know, they can do it. And after some moment of like hesitation she says yes and Akin falls asleep. The, uh, exhausted and that's where the chapter basically finishes yeah yeah i mean the um the huntington's disease thing i think actually i mean so the brain damage in huntington's i think a lot of it is kind of actually i'm not sure the degree to which it's impacting motor neuron stuff uh-huh. versus things that might impact memory and the rest of it but like the ability to repair brain damage for something like motor function mm-hmm. might be easier because it's kind of more mechanical right you can kind of see where the connection should go and link it back up but if you're talking about repairing something where you have loss of memory then that's much more yeah you've lost the data you can't like impute what should be there in its place yeah i mean we don't really know what's actually how memories are you know how memories work so we can't really tell Hmm. how how that you know could Hmm. be done so but just like from a from an information theoretic perspective yeah. right data if loss is lost, gone like specific memory and there's no way of like inferring what that content would have been then you've, you've lost that information yeah, yeah right? absolutely it's not uh yeah, yeah i mean you could like it could be that you have memory that is stored in pieces of the brain and the connection to the rest of your brain is somehow severed yeah so you could connect that back up and then you have access to mm-hmm. it again but if it's actually damaged the information storage structures whatever those are then you know you that's you can't repair that absolutely without like guessing what should be there <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely but it seems like um you know tate's 
far from at that no, point. No, I yeah. think uh, yeah, and I think in case of Tate is that when in the book she said like you know when you know that um it's the Huntington disease you know that activated and then she you know like that um she it, it, she lost that uh, balance you know she fell because down the cliff when mm. you know those damage because of it and she realized that her mother also did that like her personality change and also like that constant falling she said that uh, that was her also from her mother the Huntington's disease so she needs to um mm-hmm. it's mostly probably in the case of uh, Tate at the moment it's just mostly motor uh motor neuron abilities at the moment being affected but you know um it could be worse with time so they need to like they need some alloy uh, to fix her because as Akin mm-hmm. says if they go to Mars when she goes to Mars she will spread it more to you know to her offsprings and they can't allow that so yes yeah, that's an interesting discussion actually they have there at the end about the um like the kind of responsibility that Tate would have to the Mars colony yeah. to to not pass on the yeah. Huntington's trait because it would just uh, wreck the colony basically yeah, basically uh, no so she kind of ends up having to consent to the gene therapy from the Uloi um, to fix that, as well as just the, you know, turning back on her capacity to reproduce. Yeah. Do you think it's uh, going to be Kaguya to... that's going to fix her? Hmm. Um, I think uh, Kaguya is definitely going to be the one to want Wanting to do to it. Wanting to do it. I'd say that much. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that this hmm. is like, because we haven't heard of Kaguya at all, uh, at all and I feel like if Tate and hmm. Gabe are involved, I feel Grandpa Ka- uh, Kaguya will definitely want to um, uh, be involved. But the thing is, then Kaguya hmm. didn't get involved at all with like we didn't hear anything about him from in um, Akin's perspective when he was on the ship, right? Yeah, yeah. So and technically, yeah, uh, I'm correct in saying Grandpa like Grand Uloi, Grandfather. Grand- <laughs> uh, yeah, I think yeah, because so. yeah, it's you can't just um, uh, so and so. Yeah, 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 yep. I mean, come on, Grandpa, Grandpa Kaguya, you, you've been an asshole your whole life. At least, you know, like you'd think, like for your grandchildren, you wouldn't be. But hey, <laughs> anyway. No, last but any Uloi, I suppose, could uh, fix this problem. No, absolutely, for, absolutely. For Tate, I'm just curious if Kaguya would be like. Oh, I volunteer, I volunteer, type of thing. <laughs> oh, Kaguya definitely would, but uh, I wonder if Tate will get the choice. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> hmm. Oh, dear. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess let's go to my chapter 7 prediction. Yeah. So, I thought that this sort of behavior of this man, it's sort of, like, worrying. That someone... The one's going to see... That the man that came from the raid, the angry man that, you know, saved, uh, brought back the body of um, the lady, uh, what's her name? Rudra. Mm-hmm. Rudra. Um, that those men in their, in their like, um, <sighs> frustration will try to do something mm-hmm. stupid with Akin. Like, try to secretly or try to raid the house and, you know, kill him, maim him, I don't know. And maybe leading to Tate or Gabe getting hurt. I don't know, but like, okay. it felt to me that those those men, there's this sort of um, frustration in them that they can't release in any way, and they will try to do aim it at people who are the most vulnerable and easy target, i.e., Akin, who cannot move. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like um, it, it, it seems like there's some setup going on with them, right? They've 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 
got you know they've been introduced they've got some there's some I don't know, narrative imperative yeah. that something goes on with them yeah here, going on here it just but, feels to yeah. me that at this okay. point the book is not gonna finish peacefully like it's it's like oh yeah you know it, i mean to be fair like, it'd be silly for me to think that like oh akin comes in like hi guys do you want to come to mars they're like oh yeah yeah we will and they just go follow him to back to law or type of thing that's more gonna be like no, Earth is ours, yeah. and type of thing, and it's gonna be like a you know, uh, you know type of um, attitude. Hmm. Yeah, well, it, it takes a lot of trust, right? They're gonna have to, if they want to get their ability to reproduce back, they have to go and interact with a new loy again. So, like, I assume they're gonna like a lot of people are gonna be like, not me first. Right? Yes, they're gonna want to see evidence that other people have yes. done this yes. successfully. Yeah before they're going to be okay absolutely yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. so uh, yeah we have our uh, uh, inciting action and source of tension for the <laughs> remaining couple of chapters <laughs> to be fair there's too much tension Like, I feel like the, it, we need a bit of like relaxing chapters towards the end come on please <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Octavia really does relax, no she really doesn't so. like when I read the start, beginning of this chapter 6 I was like oh I, I genuinely felt sick I was just like come on Octavia like you didn't have to do this to me like I was not ready to for the to what happened to Rudra and I was just mm-hmm. like fucking hell honestly but I feel like if you know yeah I think uh, like um, d- dark and tense is um is the tone yes yeah <laughs> even in her, the other works of hers that i've read definitely uh like kindred uh, as was and and the parables mm-hmm. books that's like dark and tense so. yeah <laughs> not for my not my for del- not for my delicate heart <laughs> but yeah i guess that's okay. it for today um yeah, thanks. So. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. We're Xenothesis. You can find all the places we upload our podcast on xenothesis.com. I was Michael Glinko. And I was Richard Nixon. Thank you and goodbye. goodbye.